in terms of a regional town to live in. It's a very supportive and inclusive and affirming bubble. So it was a personally for me like a non-issue coming out from being in a heterosexual relationship for a long time to now being with Emma. Yeah, so it was a really beautiful and nurturing community to, to have that journey in. And yeah, it's been really wonderful and I feel very privileged to live there. My name is Jo and I'm a lesbian woman living on Tauraran country, working with Masson Rangers Accessible Arts. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the lands on which this podcast episode was recorded, the Tararung lands of the Kulon Nation, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. I would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the various lands on which you live, work and play today, and acknowledge sovereignty has never been ceded. We recognise the important role that art has played on these lands for thousands of years and feel privileged to work alongside artists continuing the creative practice of one of the oldest surviving cultures in the world. Always was, always will be. This episode you're about to hear is with Rani and Emma, a queer couple living in Castle, Maine and both working for Sunbury Cobalt Community Health in the Massanon Ranges. They discuss moving to a regional town as part of heterosexual couples with children discovering their queer identities, finding love and their community. Hi, my name's Rani. I use she, her pronouns and I live in Castlemaine on Jajawarang country but work across um, the Macedon Ranges working with queer and gender diverse young people up to the age of 25. Uh, yeah, and hi, my name's Emma. I use she, her pronouns. I also live in Castlemaine and I work at Sunbury and Cobalt Community Health, managing the health promotion team when we do a lot of work with LGBTIQA plus youth and older than youth, everyone. How long have you both been in this area? I've lived in Castlemaine now for five or six years, I think. Yeah, five or six years and moved to the classic um, move from Preston up the highway, like many other people in the community. And yeah, I've been in Castlemaine for 12 years. Uh, so again, moved from Thornbury with young kids, just wanting to have that country lifestyle, I guess. Mm. I moved to the country and I was in a heterosexual relationship with two kids. Which is also my experience. Like, And I think a similar experience to, I guess, many people in our community as well. Yeah. But in terms of a regional town to live in, it's a very supportive and inclusive and affirming bubble so it was a personally for me like a non-issue coming out from being in a heterosexual relationship for a long time to now being with Emma yeah so it was a really beautiful and nurturing community to to have that journey in and yeah it's been really wonderful and I feel very privileged to live there. If you look at people and know other regional towns where things aren't as easy yeah, my journey of coming out was, was sort of throughout the marriage equality. I became involved in that um, campaign as an ally and so I met a whole heap of people from the community, like a whole heap of diverse people from the community at that time. And so I guess, yeah, that my journey has always been supported by having 
a really fabulous group of um, yeah, queer people around me. Absolutely. And I guess I would just add, I was super lucky to move roles within like working for Sunbury and Cobalt Community Health, like move roles into fully funded ongoing queer role as well. So able to sort of... Um, she's, a, she's a professional, professional queer. Queer, gay with pay. So um, <laughs> able to, yeah have had a really supportive work environment and be immersed in that space all the time and plus having my own personal journey. Um, so having really, yeah, affirming environments professionally and personally has been, yeah, wonderful and I feel very lucky. So it sounds like the community has played a big role in supporting your coming out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was, I guess it... Almost a non-issue. It, yeah, yeah exactly. not even yeah, a coming like, out. It's just right. like, this is what's happening now. Just, that's the words we use, yeah. but it is, you know, it was almost a non-issue. It was like, um, just seemed like a very normal thing to do. And there really wasn't any, I didn't have any questions. Yeah, that I, I didn't have anything that was, you know. Curly questions. Curly questions. Thank you. Yeah. Curly questions, yeah. What are the challenges you both see in your working life? Yeah, I guess access to affirming healthcare providers. So I guess regionally with there's there's not a lot I mean there's Thorn Harbour Country, which is wonderful, but that's still Bendigo and for where we are in Macedon Ranges, it's still sort of an hour either way to get to either Melbourne or Bendigo for specialist um LGBTIQ plus healthcare. Um, and then our local providers, I mean, yeah, there's some wonderful GPs for sure, but it's um, there's a lot of turnover with healthcare providers in our area or wait lists for, um, I guess, mental health care as well. So it's um, being able to access affirming spaces and not have to educate healthcare providers um, is a big issue for our community. And I guess particularly in Macedon Ranges, like there's no uh, one big hub. So people are really spread out and transport can be an issue unless you're on that sort of main train line. But yeah, so that that's a big issue. What are you most proud of with what you are achieving in the area you're working in? I think I just mentioned before that we went to Maryborough's first Pride Festival on Sunday. And I think I'm proud that the community is able to come together and have these like you said these affirming spaces to be more visible that that's a sign that there's progress I guess in terms of our particular work and our organization um, last year we helped to organize the first ever flag raising in Sunbury and the first ever flag raising across the whole of the Hume City Council area. For Idahobbit. For Idahobbit, yeah, thank you. And um, so that was a really proud moment because we'd sort of listened to community and we were able to sort of help them and help the Hume City Council get to a point where we we were all celebrating pride on that day. That was pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. There are some regions in Australia that aren't as progressive. What do you think needs to be done in those spaces to support people who identify as queer? Oh, that's like that is a really big question, but I guess there needs to be I guess there needs to be buy-in from all different stakeholders in the community. So having um, you know, there's gonna be people there in the community who identify but whether they feel safe to publicly do so or to start some kind of a movement or not really depends on the environment they're in so I know like a lot of well a lot several councils around you know central Victoria have got LGBTIQ plus steering committees from which incorporates several different 
partner organisations, doesn't it? But led by yeah. council. So I guess having those authorising environments within local councils, but also having them supporting community groups. I don't know. It's it's tricky. Like it's. I think having that you know buy-in from council. Sorry. Yeah. No. I think if you think back, like for example, to Maryborough as an example, mm. where you know during the marriage equality campaign there was just zero visibility whatsoever, and then what ended up happening was that you find. And, and of course, this required organisations who were able to um, provide some funding and and provide some input. But you find the space where there is the most sort of motivation or an entry point. And so, in Maryborough, that was in the schools and and helping to set up a, a pride crew. And so then that gra- that conversation gradually filters out to community and to to the bigger, more broader community organisations. So sometimes it's. Yeah, I always say this with this kind of work. It's kind of like um, sowing seeds. Mm-hmm. So you you sow these little seeds, and you might not come back and see any results for you know three, four, five longer years. But just finding those little those little bits, and it'll be different in every community. So there's no one kind of um, magic bullet, I don't think. And having those, yeah, having funding to be able to put on events, whether they be public events or private events you know, for to make, depending on what it is, and um, have that funding to be able to create those safe spaces to raise the visibility is really important. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a bit about those two things at the same time, isn't it? It's about having the visibility and the awareness raising at the same time as having those supportive and affirming spaces because you can't just go all out with the visibility yeah. um, and create, yeah. then therefore could be creating an unsafe space for yeah. people in that community. So it's about all of that kind of gradually happening at the same time. What kind of feedback are you getting from young people who are accessing your services? Ah, uh, I guess like, um, I guess one example of an event we do have done every year for about the last 10 years is a pride camp, which is quite unique. I think, I don't think there's another pride camp being run across Victoria because it is a lot of work. It's really tiring, but it's really beautiful as well. But getting um, youth leaders involved in that, so older young people between the ages of 18 and 25. And um, after Pride Camp last year, we got some feedback from them and for them saying, like, it was a beautiful experience working with the young younger young people and seeing them explore their identities and flourish and be celebrated in their pride and be able to live authentically for, you know, three two nights, three days, um, and but for them themselves as well to be able to share that journey with them and reflect on their own journeys and have that opportunity to be in mentor roles. So that was really wonderful to hear from them and then also I guess just from participants of our regular groups and programs and events, I think their main feedback is to be able to have spaces, safe spaces where they can be themselves and explore their identities without judgment and see other young people who are like them, but also older queer community members who they can, you know, learn about their different life experiences as well. So, you know, they often say, oh, you know, it's slay and, you know, <laughs> use other language. So that was like a rephrase. But yeah, we got some really beautiful um, yeah. comments from them all the time, which is great. There are parts of the wider community who are finding it hard to adjust and accept diversity, what would your message be to them in order for them to become more understanding and accepting of diversity? 
Yeah. And I don't know, you'd be encouraging people to listen and learn, listen to people's stories and podcasts like this. And there's heaps yeah. of great podcasts out there to hear about a really variety of personal experiences from people across like our beautiful rainbow that you can actually humanise as people. And it's like, I guess, going, I would say, go in without judgment and stereotype and learn that we are all individuals no matter what our sexuality or gender identity is and that how do we how can we have judgment if we don't really know people and there is no one type of being LGBTIQA plus either. So that's very that's very utopian. But like yeah. I think just listening to people's stories and doing your research and I don't know. Um, I think like, what's wonderful about being part of the rainbow community is that it opens up so much uh, possibilities for life and for connections and whatever queerness means to people. I, I think that, you know, if, if you're not in the rainbow community prior to that, my, in my experience, I didn't, yeah, I didn't understand the uh, multitude of different types of experiences you could have or ways you could identify yourself or even what yeah what you could think is possible in life so I think that yeah my message would be is it you know learning more about this is is just going to expand your life and there's so many beautiful people and beautiful I think the experiences we've had over the last three or four years or well for me a bit longer but you know have, have been some of the best experiences of my life because they people are so real and um so yeah just listen listen to people's stories there is incredible people out there and amazing amazing things to learn from people who have you know you're thinking about we're talking about the other podcast we listen to from people who are 70 80 now and all the things that they've been through to get where they are today and we just have so much to learn and it's not that's not just the queer community that's everyone and i guess something that i know we've talked about a lot is that that confusion of when you are living in a heterosexual relationship for a long time, but also knowing you're queer, but not having, I don't know, that's a really confusing journey and not feeling queer enough maybe when you've left that relationship. So do you have the right to comment or speak on a podcast like this or have an opinion in these areas, but building that confidence as well. And also knowing that everyone's learning, like whether you're a part of the community or not, like, um, I guess well, I don't know where I was going with that, but no, no. just that we're all on a journey mm. and can never stop learning about all the different experiences people have mm. and can have as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I, yeah, I agree with you, you know, in coming out, what, talking about coming out at a later stage or whatever you want to call it, um, or kind of living, living my truth, I guess. At the start, I thought, well, I haven't been through a life where I've experienced discrimination. I haven't lived through that. So, you know, yeah, exactly. How, how can I comment on things or what does my experience mean in, amongst these people who have kind of been through this, you know, battle to get where they are and have, have lived, have all this resilience and live this beautiful, these beautiful lives now and I've kind of just swanned into it. <laughs> but... um and I've, I've voiced that concern with people who have been in the queer community um, for a lot longer than me and, and I have had nothing but acceptance and encouragement mm. and no one has ever felt that my story isn't valid just because I'm new to this. 
what are the things that you love about living in this area? Ah, so many things like access to beautiful nature all the time. Like we've got beautiful bush to walk in and the beautiful places to swim in like the res natural swimming holes. But also like um, particularly in Castlemaine and Mount Alexander Shire, there's a really rich and nurturing community and we get access to lots of incredible live music and arts performances don't we like for a regional town it's like there's so much to do you can't do it all which was the opposite to what I thought moving from the city yeah I feel like you do I think you do more living in the country um, than you do in the city because everything's close and you know, there's so much going on in Melbourne it beca- and can become a bit of a, like, white noise of events that you could possibly go to, whereas, yeah. you know, we, we're out all the time at yeah. really interesting, there's a really vibrant, like you said, queer arts community, yeah. the types of um, experiences we have without going too far from home are, are really incredible, all with the backdrop of this beautiful Jajarung country that we live on and the beautiful community who surrounds us. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I, yeah. I gained, by moving to the country, I gained something I didn't even know existed, really. That that those, that those combination of things, I, I found community that I never knew even existed. So I won't be going back. <laughs> this is home. This is home. This yeah, is home, sure. yeah. We are really lucky to have, like, you know, close access to, like, Chill Out, which is, what, the oldest running regional queer festival in Australia, I think, and Way Out, the program I work in, has been going for 20 years in a region, you know, regional area, which is wild. And then Castlemaine, I mean, has more recently got a LGBTIQ plus worker, but has got this really strong queer community as well. So I think, personally, where we are, we're really lucky to have that rich history of queer presence in the community. And are you each able to say what pride means to you? I I, I guess pride to me is about just being who you are and being being able to to be fully who you are and to accept yourself and that and in doing so you see that acceptance in others as well but I guess it starts with yourself and being proud and accepting of who you are Mm, I guess they're similarly I guess pride for me is like living in your authenticity and feeling celebrated for that and celebrating yourself as well and those around you Mm. um yeah having those opportunities to surround yourself with I don't know other pride events and stuff as well but I think really living authentically Mm. How do you both look after yourself when things get a bit tough with your work and you hear some difficult stories? Uh, I mean, I guess that's a big part of... So when you work in smaller communities, particularly in sort of health or wellbeing or these kinds of areas, you know, we are really aware that people's work is their life and the work is their life and where are the boundaries and um, that can become quite tricky. But I think it is it is about sort of personally taking the space, time and the space. And as an organisation and as a, as a manager of my staff, it's about encouraging um, workers to take that, that time and space to do what works for them because that's different for everyone. So for me, it's walking um, out in the bush. 
connecting with friends and debriefing but it is really important when you're embedded in the communities that you're working with, yeah. Yeah, I'm very similar. Yeah, getting out to nature is really important for me. Like being having access to beautiful bushwalks is so great because you can go out there and you just feel immediately calmed and settled and it really provides a space to, I guess, wash off things that might be niggling at you but yeah, or dancing, dancing it out. I was just thinking also just like, you know, we talked about planting those seeds and... Um, you know, we're, we are privileged working in these smaller communities and living there that often, you know, we're around. And you know, I've been around for 12 years and so I have been able to see these times where I've planted seeds or other people have planted seeds and you see them come to fruition. And so it's about, yeah, sometimes looking back and taking stock and recognising the change that's occurred and, and nothing happens straight away, but being able to say, well, look, it does happen. And so not getting too upset if we're not seeing these sort of snap changes. And, you know, one of the things that is really interesting for us is, you know, we've both got um, kids. My youngest has just started high school and, um, you know, their understanding of language around gender and sexuality is just unbelievable and so we know that over the next you know 10 years or so what's coming out into the mainstream from these young people will be completely different it's going to have a really big impact on um, all of society I think so that's a really exciting thing to watch as well. Yeah and for them to have like so much more queer representation in mainstream media and Mm. their conversations and access to information around identity I think is really great. Mm. Very different world to what it was. Mm. Very different, yeah. I mean, like, I know we've both spoken about this. It's like if we had this information and safe and affirming environments when we were young, would our lives have been very different over the last, whatever, 20 years? Yeah, Mm. just never know. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, I don't know how much we're going to open up here. And then it's like, whoa, coming out. Yeah, good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. This podcast is released every Tuesday and Friday and could not have been possible without the support of our local community partners, Midsummer and the Fair of Victoria portfolio of the Victorian State Government. Throughout this series, you will hear firsthand the successes, hopes, dreams, fears and struggles of diverse members of our community. Pridefinder, the Rainbow Road Trip, was a travelling project commissioned during the 2023 Midsummer Festival as part of the State Government's initiative, Victoria's Pride. Helen Thomas, an award-winning creative audio producer, journalist and queer ally, developed a mobile story studio with the purpose of encouraging connection, cultivating empathy and preserving people's experiences. As much of Victoria's queer history relies on verbal recount, Midsummer, Helen and the Pride Finder connected with regionally living LGBTQIA plus Victorians to help capture their unique stories. These conversations are frank, honest and reflect the language, thoughts, history and opinions of the individual. Views may not be shared by Midsummer or the Victorian State Government. Please keep yourself safe and refer to the show notes for specific triggers related to each episode. If something in this podcast has made you feel uncomfortable or brought up challenging feelings, please seek support from a loved one or from one of the helplines listed at the bottom of the show notes. 